time to tune up the band and will you stop it for it is another episode of the sweet chinwag podcast my name is sam i am always alongside reardon and melee Hellbutt as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling dan should be joining us soon enough i'm hoping that he'll join us for this episode but joining us we have a returning guest or guests hopefully on this episode it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to the podcast once more the man the myth the legend mr adino winwood oh i was like who are you talking about <laughs> no melee help <laughs> <laughs> Hello. hi guys how's it going it's sunday yeah, yeah. It's, 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 that, that, that's for true what is it? it's sunday <laughs> Making me work on the Lord Tenzai's day. Oh, a very Did you say on the Bible? Lord Tenzai's day? <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't you, or don't you go there for the blessing when he spits in his hand and then puts the green... Green uh, mist on his... Not, I'm, much more, I'm a sweet tea man myself, but I digress. <laughs> uh, no, it has been a wild week. It has been a wild several hours uh, as a wrestling fan, but we are going to get on to that pretty soonish. How have your weeks been, everybody? Uh, full of turkey and American holidays are crazy and very uh, gluttonous. So <laughs> I'm recovering <laughs> from a lot of ingestion of bird and pie. Um, huh. What kind of pie? <laughs> I could have said that more deliciously, but yes, you, you know, The Rock loves a good old slice of that pumpkin pie. <laughs> Easy then, Nelly. Doctor said I had to cut down on the poontang. <laughs> Numbers are up. <laughs> right. So my laptop died this week. <laughs> uh, tur- good old turkey oh. day, but for as to quote M. Bison, for us, it was Thursday. Yeah, but he said Tuesday. I know, but to twist a quote, don't do it from Simon. He doesn't no, want to this. He Always was paraphrasing. Generation. Bless it. What's wrong with you? God bless Raul Julia. Anyway, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. Guys, you know, we may sometimes be late to coming into this podcast. I'm looking at which you, Cass. Is possible. I'm looking, looking at you, Cass. <laughs> but one thing we are not is we never, ever stop pending. We are always pending, and we always will be. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Okay, so before we get on to our little retrospective all about Bobby the Brain Heenan, it is time to visit me for this week's wrestling news. Dun, 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 down. Wrestling, Wrestling news. news. Thank you, Melee. This feels weird oh. always taking over from Dad. It feels really weird. Okay, everybody. <laughs> I think it's I think there's only one thing that we can talk about this week. It feels weird doing this again, Reardon, because we were here a couple of years ago talking about this. But Randy Orton has returned to the WWE. Let's fucking go. <laughs> wow. Let's go. Actually, before we get onto that main point, he looking jack as all jacked as all heck. Oh, Natty. Of course, he, he he's been he's been taking on the Scott Di- uh, Scott Steiner diet. If I can see, but why is it always with like almost career threatening in injuries, back and neck injuries? People go away for an allotted amount of time, and then they just come back looking humongous. They have something to prove. <laughs> 
can't let a little something like a bat stop you from getting absolutely huge. Prison jacked up, I believe, is the word, isn't it? That's what happened when Nick Gage came out of prison, wasn't it? He got mm-hmm. prison jacked. <laughs> He's jacked. Oh, so, yes, uh, yeah, let's talk about the topic at hand. The uh, the most hilarious thing that could have happened actually happened at Survivor Series. Right Art at the end. Back. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> He's up. He's back, everybody. He's back. Um, did anyone see this coming? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah I mean, he told, he told me he told. it was just a matter of like, okay, like, are they really going to do it? I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to do it. And then, like, when it finally happened, I was like, oh, okay. Like, this nothing is- changed to me. I didn't jump up and scream. I giggled a little bit. Like, this is so petty. <laughs> but, that you know, is- it's. The difference in contrast to each return has been like when we saw it return in AEW, I think the excitement was palpable. Everyone felt it. We could all relate and actually love that moment. Whereas here, I think the general reaction has been one of stunned silence and laughter. <laughs> more, it's, it, for me, it was more stunned silence and shaking my head. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this is what happens, you know, you go through 10 years worth of court cases, bad mouth from the company, trying your hand at mixed martial arts, losing your friendship of several years, and vowing to never return to the company. So what does he do? He, return- he, he, he returns to the company, and all because one guy <laughs> said to go cry him a river. Boom, boom. <laughs> boom, boom. boom, boom. Turn, mind you. <laughs> I was going to say, um, <laughs> as a person who has... As, as occasionally crossed paths with him, I have to ask the question to a certain someone here. Has he always been like this? Well, who are you asking? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're done. Yeah, ask him. No, go ahead. Finish the bit. Finish the bit. I was going to say, to Reardon, have you, has he always been <laughs> You have to commit to the bit. Has he always been like this? Maybe. <laughs> Hashtag game night. All right. Um. Sorry, Carl. Uh, yeah. Tell tell us, Hurden. Like, what was he? What was he like? Yeah. What was he like? Well, growing up with him as a child, no. I, mean. <laughs> I thought I heard that Chicago drawl about you. No, because we because no. the, the, we're going to do the big reveal at the end of the year that actually Reardon's cult cabana in disguise. God, ah, I knew cult it. of personality. Ah, I get it now. It, it was well, all the action uh, team. Yeah. Yes, cult of personality. <laughs> <laughs> so no, Dino. I know you've occasionally back in the when you were in the uh, the Californian Indies had a had had a couple of occasions where you kind of crossed paths. Why was yeah. punk like? Then and I'm uh, by by the way, everyone listening, I'm not trying to get a massive expose. I don't like doing any of that sort of thing and stuff like that. I I'm just genuinely curious as to what the guys like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like even if you were trying, like you're not going to get much out of me. Like it's mm. mainly because, like at the time, I was a trainee, I was a student, I was just coming in, and I was helping with ring crew and stuff like that at PWG. And when I heard that they were bringing in all these fucking names, I was like, oh, CM Punk. 
oh shit, I heard he's an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh no. (laughs) Like he had the reputation as being standoffish or just a a straight up prick. But like me as a student, I'm like, okay, I'm a student. I'm probably going to get shit on by people. That's fine. But like every time, like either one thing about me is, is either if I feel like I should go shake someone's hand, that's fine. If I feel like I'm just going to bother them, I'm like, I don't want to get shit on right now. Like I'll deal with it another day. Um, mm-hmm. th- that's usually how I approach these things. Mm. But the times that I did meet him, he actually came up and shook my hand. Like, how you doing? How you doing? Nice to see you. You're mm. great job. Like, he gave me props. He gave the ring crew props and everything. So like at the time, like before he went and got signed and everything else, I was just, well, he showed us the respect that a lot of people wouldn't to shake Samoa. Joe, honestly, I'm going to say it's to shake Samoa Joe's hands. It felt like I was bothering him. <laughs> but that's apparently is Joe's attitude. I'm like, okay, dude, you're a giant koala bear. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Like, I, I don't like. I'll show people respect, but at the same time, like, dude, you're in fucking pro wrestling. Don't act like you're the shit. Like, it's fine if you are a badass and you know all these styles. Just don't be a prick about it. So, with Punk, it was very much along lines of this dude didn't have to come up to the ring crew and shake our hands. This guy didn't ask, have to say anything to us, much less acknowledge us. But at the, at the time, he did. And so I really had no gripes with it. But as I grew older and everything else, I'm like, I don't know what this guy's deal is. It's not my fucking problem because <laughs> yeah, he's in the majors. So, like, uh, he's a millionaire making a shitload of money. And people appreciate and love him for everything that he either contributes or destroys. It's, it doesn't matter to me. But at yeah. the same time, like... I've always considered myself a consumer first, so yes. or a fan. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, back then I'm like, okay, well, you know, he shook the ring crew's hand, that's okay. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I really don't. You know, so. that that no, that that was not going to be my conclusion to this whole thing. At, at this point, I I I I just don't give a darn. Like, I I watch wrestling and I enjoy I enjoy all the facets of wrestling and. I think this is the thing that I want to kind of reiterate to a lot of people, especially a lot of people online. This thing that you're trying to cultivate is not there. It really isn't. And I know people are wanting to have a a war once more, but like legitimately, you are, you are, it's not there. It's just not there. we, We are way past that point of, of, drawing battle lines between one promotion and another and the whole shot and the whole thing of oh we're the better company now because they jumped over here and we're jumping over here it's like no we're wrestling fans we should appreciate the fact that we've got two mainstream wrestling promotions in in in, mm-hmm. in the world that are doing great business at the moment and are doing gangbusters as us wrestling fans to be able to watch any like two different forms of pro wrestling right there like mm-hmm. we should be grateful that there's two options they, we should be grateful that there's options for the talent as well like yeah. because because yeah. a monopoly is a terrible thing and we keep i cannot I, I, the amount of episodes we have always said a monopoly is a terrible thing in any industry it's true and it's very boring too like the game and the <laughs> the real life thing <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you man that brief period of time where all you could watch was WWE and fucking UFC was the most boring time ever. Like I would go back to all of my tapes and DVDs that I got from message boards and tape traders 
because I was just like, I hate what is on television. It's so stale. It is so boring. And I completely agree. The fact that we have options. And even for those who don't like AEW or WWE or both, like you can watch Impact. You can watch mm-hmm. New Japan. You can Tuesday watch night. All Japan. Lucha. You can watch DDT or Noah. Like it's it's all easily accessible now, which yes. is like the best thing to happen to professional wrestling. Yeah. The absolute the the absolute best thing that has happened is the ease of access now to foreign to to international wrestling in Mexico in Japan uh, especially because mm-hmm. it was the longest time. It's like you had to know somebody who knew somebody that had a tape of of an all Japan show. And then you just have to kind of record it like twice on a blank VHS tape in order to watch Masawa vs. Kawada. Mm-hmm. I, I remember the days. I remember those days. Although saying that we in the UK got very lucky in that we got new Japan, all Japan, Noah, uh, and all of the American Indies on one cable television channel. So we got lucky for That's a little while so there. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and TNA as well. TNA. 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 Which, by the way, I feel like all with all this being said as well, I'm kind of looking forward now even more to TNA's revival in in next year. Yeah. Yeah. Can I get get this off of my chest? Yes, absolutely, really. Oh, no. Because I, oh, and I, I remember because I saw it and I saw the tweets and I'm like, he didn't. And then I saw it <laughs> and I was just like, you hypocrite. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw how people, how excited people were like in the crowd and it's a great moment. And I just have this thing of like, I'm sure we're going to get great promos. I'm sure we're going to get great matches. Oh, Carlito Pump, baby! <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm like, you know, but I'm like, I am sure we're gonna get everything like that. But I don't feel like I'm gonna enjoy any of it because I, I'm just <laughs> like, you really just did show your entire ass, punk. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was... After a decade, a full-on decade. Of, of like I'm gonna call it now because now I feel like it's fair to call it of whining and complaining <laughs> and pipe bombs and and I and this place almost killed me and and I stopped wrestling when I went to Ring of Honor mm-hmm. and the and the fighting and the whining and the whining and the whining you come back. And act like, n- basically act like nothing has happened. The, the Saudis are... Oh, you, not- man! I'm sorry! <laughs> like... <laughs> like... If, like if, he, if he had, like, if he had gone to TNA, or, or tried to get into, like, New Japan or something like that, I would have had, like, I would have been like, okay, you know what, the guy still has to eat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not going to dig him for that. He is a wrestler. He wants to wrestle. That's how he makes his living. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. But to go back here and to get the big ovation and to lead like, yeah, I'm back. I'm like, I'm not serious, man. Everything you said was just talk. It was just talk. So you have no principles. I'm sorry. I thought you did. That was the one thing I gave him. Now I can't give him, so I'm just like... Mm-hmm. So basically, are you I'm... trying to say 
that even though he's friends with Toby Mort and Lars Fedrickson, he's the most unpunk person on planet Earth. At the yes, moment. absolutely. <laughs> he is he, like he is the he is the John Linden. Of I was going to say he's John Linden. <laughs> he's John Linden. He's like, the New York Yankees. Yeah, he's the <laughs> New. He is everything. He like like so. Nah. No, I'm not going to rate him. He might be best in the world. He might, he's going to put on some great matches. I'm sure. I don't doubt his talents. Mm. But none of it. I'm sorry. I, from, in my eyes, none of it is going to be worth it. He's not worth it. He's just straight up not worth it. Well, it seems that your sentiment is shared with at least a couple of people um, in the back and in the talent roster because. Um, supposedly from what we've heard from various sources uh it might be that no one on the main event of that war games match was even informed that that was even going to happen which struck the reaction of seth rollins after the cameras went off as um i don't think he's acting up i think his general piss and vinegar towards punk and telling him to go fuck himself was um that might have had an air of reality to it yeah, no, I I do want, I do really hope, and it probably is, probably is gonna happen. Someone is, I know someone in a promo is going to is going to work massive finger quirks and just mm -hmm. ask the simple question to CM Punk, why are you here? Yeah, straight up, like yeah. straight up, why are you here? My hope it's Grayson Waller. Because <laughs> like, it's, wa it's, wa it's wasted on it's wasted on Seth Rollins if he does it. No, I want it to be I want it to be someone nobody expects. Yeah, that would be that's good, honestly. Yeah. That's, that's a better for younger talent. But yeah, at yeah, the same like, time, like you know that Punk. I as soon as I saw that he was back, and people were like, "Oh, is he going to be at the press conference?" I'm like, "No, he's not going to be at the press conference because he's going to save the point where he's in front of an audience and he has a real microphone." Yeah. So yeah. that's when you're going to hear from them. But at the same time, that promo is going to go something like this. Like, I had to work a few indie shows to realize that I missed it here in the <laughs> big leagues or some stupid under the table shit like that. And yeah. at the same time, like with well, Seth's reaction, keep in mind this. I, I really want it to be a reality because at this point, I I'll say it again. I want chaos at this point. Yes. And mm -hmm. so with with Rollins, <clears throat> Look at what they did with him and uh, and Matt fucking Riddle. Like, bitch he, ass. Yeah. <laughs> so with, 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 that, with that bullshit, he straight up made it look like he wanted to kill him. Like, you know, he made a little comment about his family or I just don't like He's like, I'm going to kick your ass, Popeye. You know, shit like that. And so... This is more Jerry Lynn. But, you know, um, so... <laughs> But at the same time, like Seth is a company man. Whatever you give him, he'll fucking give 110%. I mean, look at this bitch's outfits. Like he is serving it up every yeah. time he comes out. So yeah. if he is like as much as we really want it to be 100%, like fuck you, like for real, I think that he is letting his truth speak through his art. Yes. So yes. That, like, I think it's 100% he's doing business, but at the same time, he is not going to hold back at his complete chagrin so. yeah yes uh, like, drew mcintyre yeah. is pissed as well from what i heard he he all but stormed out of the ring and into the locker room uh because he did not want to talk to anyone and apparently he is he is very miffed off and it is 
Uh, a friend of his did confirm that it is all because of CM Punk's return to the mm. company. And you know what? I don't blame Drew. One bit yeah, I, don't I don't blame any. Can you imagine that? You've been busting your ass for years. Mm-hmm. That man helps that company through um through a pandemic. And yeah. this yep. is what he's got to show for it. Yeah. And his and media then, moment was through a fucking silence. Yeah. And he get and then CM Punk gets the hero's welcome. No. Oh, I'm sorry. It's not right. If I you, swear like, to God, the next couple of weeks, if I st- if I hear that Drew McIntyre is hard to work with. That's bollocks. <laughs> that's bollocks. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, it's bollocks. Yeah, like I don't like look. We've we've all everyone on this podcast have had their have their criticisms, their issues, and let's face it, outright hatred of that company <laughs> for the longest time. But nah, even for some things, this is beyond the pale. I'm sorry, nah, I I am not about this at all, at all. That's my it's, that's my two cents on it. It's just really funny when you build like your entire brand on being the quote unquote voice of the voiceless, and now you join. The biggest corporate voice that exists out there, and it's like, why even bother doing all of that? He just wants yeah, another UFC payout. Ah, yeah, yes. yeah. But doing a, like a quarter of the work, even then, you were pretty <laughs> sure that he was doing that in his UFC oh, career. Too. <laughs> it, it's a weird time, but I'm guessing for Hunter, it has had the desired effect. Is that it oh, means absolutely. that everyone is now literally talking about them and nobody else. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's like, absolutely uh, done uh, exactly what he's wanted to. Um, like in, in other places, I've said like how it's exhausting when all the stuff with him and AW happened, and just you know people just kept reporting, oh, people like him, oh, people are upset about him, blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, I have Mexican and Ecuadorian genes like inside of me, and I love Cheesemas, so. I, whatever drama that's gonna happen with him coming back, I'm all in for it because it's it's just funny. Like wrestling it is. at this oh, point, yeah. yeah. At this point, it is yeah. it is more funny than it is amazing. And yeah. but I I I wouldn't have it any other way. I think nowadays. Yeah. I I'm just like I'm just watching. Like I can't wait for him to burn this bridge again. Yeah. Was, <laughs> that's that's literally my that's literally my. Who's it gonna be? Who's very? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know, I, you know what? I I, I, I don't blame him. I wouldn't you know blame him for Austin You know what, you know what I think it's gonna be? I legitimately think LA Knight is gonna be the is gonna be the spark on this. Oh, you know that's yeah. You don't have to be. I I think it's gonna be him. That's my that's my bet. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, shall what we end one? the news there? Why not? Yeah. I was gonna say, what are your predictions of who he's gonna fight in real life first? I was like gonna say Santos Escobar. So. <laughs> Uh, it's you know what? It's amazing that Punk does not want to have a match with Roosh because he knows he'd have his ass kicked, so he had to go back to WWE. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it is time to go on to recommendation corner, and I know, I know, we've got two here, so I'm going to start with Reardon first, and then we'll head on over to Melee. Mm-hmm. Reardon, you know, what speaking you speaking of unhinged guys, <laughs> how do you feel? About Sir Ridley motherfucking Scott. <laughs> As we talked before we recorded, the man with the most incoherent career ever, I think. 
He has made good things. He has made bad things. He has made terrible things. And he has made masterpieces. My recommendation in honor of Napoleon coming out, and more importantly, in honor of the most in the, the, the wrestling prom the wrestling promo that is Ridley Scott versus every historian alive during the <laughs> during the press during the press like his press um, conventions uh, like for Napoleon i am recommending every single movie ridley scott has ever made yes even the bad ones <laughs> i i have watched a lot of ridley scott movies because i am a science fiction nerd so mm -hmm. it's kind of part mm -hmm. and parcel wow. and like honestly no matter what no i i have watched a lot and like no matter what even in movies i hate that he's done you get it you'll you be getting something good out of them mm. like like take prometheus prometheus don't like that movie don't like that movie i don't i i really i really and i've never met a person who does i know they exist I know they exist and they're very loud about it, but I've never met them face to face. However, there is a there is a scene of medical, of like of like a, a like a impromptu like medical surgery, which is one of the single most scary and uncomfortable things I have ever watched. Yes, <laughs> and which I think proves something about Ridley Scott. No matter what he does, no matter what kind of things he makes, there is always something worth in his movies, which is not something you can say about a lot of directors. Darn right. I, I, I mean, I love the ones that everyone else loves. I hate quite a few of the ones that everyone else hates. But you know <laughs> what? You know what? He's Ridley Scott, and I don't care and even and i'm going to go and see napoleon this upcoming week Where, will it be good will it be bad oh but it's gonna be worth watching <laughs> he better cover that important moment in history where he got sucked into a time booth time phone booth Oh my god! If he did that, if he did that, I would, I would call him the master of his craft. I mean, people don't, people don't know what Keanu's been up to since you know he's done that Braun GP documentary. Which, by the way, that's that is a good documentary. I've been seen on Disney Plus. Oh, but okay. no one knows what Keanu's been up to. It could Ke be Bill and Ted. I mean, Keanu, Keanu keeps himself quiet whenever he's not working, which is part of why people love him. Yeah. Ugh. He's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, Weird, and now a... you put that idea in the ether. I want to see that now in the in the podium. <laughs> That'd be so good. Right, what talking about time traveling boxes, melee mm -hmm. recommendations, wow. sir. Ah, oh, yes. Wow, really good, actually. Good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, since we're talking about time and talking about stories, I'm gonna recommend Monarchy: Legacy of Monsters. So, basically, uh. It just came out on Apple TV Plus, and I think it's actually very good because it adds so much more depth to the to the MonsterVerse. Because with 2024 Godzilla, 2014 Godzilla, yeah, excuse me, it 
kind of redefined about like Godzilla's role, but we never really knew about the people behind it. And I think this show explores everything. And I just got to say, uh, Kurt Russell and, and his son, outstanding people, great yeah. characters. Honestly, like Godzilla, the franchise, human characters aren't really known to be like the very best aspects. But for this show specifically, it's one of the biggest standouts. So mm, yeah, I recommend yeah. it. Yeah, Apple TV, the Apple TV originals, like their sci-fi section has been nothing but bangers. It's actually kind of ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also, you know what? I'm going to say it. Shout out to the MonsterVerse, the second best cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. Damn right. <laughs> In terms of quality. <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. Like, but it's not my only. It's not my only recommendation because, as Sam said, Time Traveler and Beans on Toast. There's also a. A nice little indie show that came out today or yesterday, whatever, uh, called Doctor Who. And <gasps> oh my! They just aired their very first special for the 60th anniversary, and I think that it is very good. Okay, there you go. <laughs> very. I was going to say very restrained, for I know how much of a huge Doctor Who fan you are, Melee. So. Uh... I, I can respect that. I can respect. I, I just, I just don't want to set expectations for people who may want to watch it. Yeah, so they brought back it, Eccleston. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only one going back, folks. That was my doctor. So <laughs> I, I have good. Yeah, I have had um, a lot of, I have had a lot of conflicted thoughts about Russell T Davis coming back, and so I'm very, mm -hmm. I'm, but I'm glad that so far so mm -hmm. good. I well, will be watching since, it. Since you're talking about him, uh, the one thing I'll say about him. I I think the one thing that I've always wanted for, for this era specifically, for the future of the show, he is being unapologetic, and that's all I'll say, and I'm nice. very happy about it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, like, I have very conflicted feelings about Rusty Davis coming back, not because I think he'd do a bad job, but because the, the, just the idea of going back in Doctor Who just feels me with a like that's just it's just wrong <laughs> it's it just it just feels really wrong but if it's good it's good so what can i say Word. nice nice oh actually uh for me i actually realized that i do have a recommendation uh very okay. quick one for me i'm just gonna say it scott pilgrim takes off oh yes. was actually not... really freaking good I have not okay. been spoiled. Do not spoil. It. I'm not going to spoil anything, but honestly, I can now understand when Brian said if I was going to come back, I would want it to be something completely unexpected. And I'm very happy that Brian came back to And not just Brian, but Edgar, the entire film cast came back as well. I'm so yeah. glad. And I know a lot of people have gotten angry about it, but legitimately, I can't understand it because... Honestly, it's one of the best things Netflix has put out in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, Chris Evans. So mm. that's good to hear. Also, Chris Evans as Lucas Lee. He absolutely stole the fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did last time. He did it again. He absolutely True. did it again. All righty then. It is time to get on to the main portion of our episode. Our retrospective on Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now. Fellas, what? What, what, do you, what? What are your general, like your first initial thoughts when you think of the brain? 
Worry the Brain Heenan is a fascinating character for me in that his heyday, he left basically just as I started watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. So he's so Bobby the Brain Heenan is kind of a mythological figure for me. <laughs> Same for me. <laughs> so I this is why I was really kind of I'm really good. I'm probably gonna be very quiet in this in this episode just because I really want to know a bit more about this dude. Right, let's talk about. I was going to say then. In that case, I'll direct that question to Dino. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a guest. I'm not doing the footwork on this episode. <laughs> Real. <laughs> I, I just want to know what side he's on. I was going to say That's whose side is he on? Yes. I mean, okay. Bobby the Brain Heenan is the greatest professional wrestling manager in mind to ever exist. Uh, the man could literally make an entire arena hate him. Or love to hate him because mm-hmm. he was the weasel. They called him the weasel because he was just this little tiny man who knew how to shit talk, but at the same time, really talk it along with walking it. And uh, boy, could I sound any fucking 40 than I did right there. <laughs> um, he could talk it as well as he could walk it. No, Dirty. like Bobby Heenan, one of the quickest wits in the entire mm-hmm. scene of professional wrestling. Everybody can kiss Cornet's ass. All he did was fucking comedy and complain. Everybody can talk about Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman was a businessman until he eventually started cutting the same promo. I fucking said it. Fight me. But Bobby Heenan, commentator, manager, even as professional wrestler. Yes, Bobby yes. the Brain Heenan was a worker. A lot of people don't know this. He went to Japan. Yep. Bobby the Brain Heenan wrestled in Japan. And I fucking hate the fact that I modeled myself after that because there's no way a manager is ever going to Japan. But <laughs> at the same time, Bobby Heenan could work well with everyone. Bobby Heenan could literally manage a chair sitting by itself and then make it seem like it was the most dangerous threat ever and why he wisely invested in him. And he was not afraid to be the butt of the joke because he knew what he was there for. He knew that he had to work the crowd. And honestly, a lot of men, and I'm just going to say it, a good 99.9% of managers today really need to watch the tapes on him because he was a presence there without taking the spotlight away from his talent. Yes. Everybody's trying to get themselves over with a stupid little dance. Yes, I'm talking about him. Everybody's trying to fucking get the own spotlight. The job is, is you're a manager. People need to hate you for you just doing your job. And that's how you get over or that's how you get booed. In either way, Bobby the Brain Heenan is the greatest fucking manager, if not wrestling presence, to ever exist. And the proof is absolutely in the footage and in the stories. So, well, there you have it. That's our show. I was going to say, yeah, good night, everybody. May I also add as well, and I know he don't, he wouldn't want to toot his own horn, but someone here does have a very good Bobby the Brain Heenan impression, don't you, Dino? Yeah, go ahead, Rudin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So what was he like? <laughs> oh, let, me, let me tell you a little something about Bob. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you something about that, man. So I went ahead and I got in contact with this kid, Reardon. And they told me that he wanted to work with him. So I just went ahead and I turned him into Big John Stud. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you turned a black man into a white man? My God. It was no, a no, no, no. It was a different time. I don't know if you noticed or not. The lighting was very much the same color back then. So... <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> oh right, shall we get on with it? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> okay, we so... stuck our entire fucking leg in the pool, so let's just dive in. 
<laughs> Born in on November 1944 in Chicago, Illinois, Bobby Heenan grew up a massive fan of professional wrestling. He came from a working class family. His dad was a railroad uh, railroad worker and his mum was a hotel manager. Uh, Education-wise and kind of like early life, he, he was okay, but his mind was more drawn to all of his other different passions. And of course, the main one being pro wrestling. So much so uh, that he ended up not attending school for very long. And, and unfortunately, due to personal issues in his personal life, having to support his mother and grandmother in their business, he dropped out of school in the eighth grade. He ended up pretty much early on in his mid-teens, uh, in the Chicago and Indianapolis area, uh, being uh, kind of like part of the ring crew in local promotions in the area. He would carry bags, jackets for wrestlers, uh, which, uh, which uh, sell concessions at the events as well. And eventually he would just garner and strike up a friendship with all of the wrestlers that would come into the territory. Uh, and so he, he came pretty early into the wrestling industry, kind of got smartened up very quickly. And a lot, as you said, Dino, a lot of people don't remember or don't realize that Bobby actually trained as a wrestler first before he became a manager. Yep, as most of us tend to, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, it was, it, Bobby started it all, and then I say, I feel like every other manager that I now know nowadays was a was uh, was started out as a professional wrestler. Like everyone, did everyone forget that Prince Nana? Uh, was actually a wrestler before he became the dancing manager for Swerve. I definitely remember, because honestly, <laughs> a lot of the matches I would not watch. He was not the best in that ring. Mm. The character was there and the personality was there. And at the time, he was known for being knocked out with one kick by Loki. But then again, who wasn't at that time? <laughs> so <laughs> Why didn't you buy a fucking ticket? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not dropping in no backyard. So... <laughs> Uh, so he would uh, be trained in and around uh, the early 60s, eventually uh, getting a spot at the World Wrestling Association, which was Dick the Bruiser's promotion based in Indianapolis, under the name of pretty boy Bobby Heenan. He would wrestle his first match against a, a wrestler by the name of Calvin the Prince Pullins. He... He keeps saying in subsequent interviews around this, uh, uh, talking about this time, Heenan always said that he never really trained, is it? Like, he, it came more natural to him as he was training, uh, but say training in air quotes. But it was from all of this, and he, as he said, basically, my goal was to train so I could know how to take a bump, because really what I wanted to be was a manager. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> And that's the way to do it. You learn how to take the bumps. That way, if you need to take something sick to put the story across, plus it really just helps. That way you're not, oh, they wound up and they hit him. Okay, let me just get down from the ring very subtly. Yeah. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Don't want to hurt myself. That's hard. He, 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 and trust me, as we'll get into it when he, when he comes to WWF, he, he knew how to take a bump on a <laughs> especially in certain especially in a certain suit but we'll get there we will get there <laughs> so he would eventually transition over to managerial duties within the wwa and this is where he started uh managing wrestlers such as chris markoff angelo poffo yes yes old randy yeah. savage's dad the valiant brothers and the blackjacks actually 
Heenan was credited with making Black Jack Lanza one of the top wrestling villains in the country because of his association, of course, with the Black Jacks. This, in this really impressed the promoter at the time, Sam Muchnick, who really wasn't a big fan of valets and managers. And he really doubled down and loved Heenan because he thought, I hate them, but this guy's got something. <laughs> and so he was the only manager in WWA because of Muchnick's apprehension towards managers, but the fact that he could do it so damn well, he kind of got a buy from him on that. Now, did you know around this time that Bobby had a kayfabe brother within WWA? Uh, briefly, but I don't know much about the details. What was his was his name was his name Robert the Heart? Heenan? No, no unfortunately his brother was Guy Heenan. Oh, <laughs> Why are the brother names always so terrible? <laughs> shit. Oh, ah, uh, yes, ah, uh, yes. Those those Heenan brothers, Bobby and Guy. Guy, I want for Bibbity. Bibbity. You know what's even funny is that Guy Heenan would eventually become the kayfabe brother of Jimmy Valiant, as known as Gentleman Jerry Valiant. <laughs> So he's he's just going around every family tree spreading his I'm not finishing that sentence. That's <laughs> so nineteen He became Taker and Kane's brother Lane. So <laughs> he would eventually leave in the early seventies in the WWA over pay issues uh with uh with Dick the Bruiser, as well as not getting a big payout for their first ever big event held at the Market Square Arena. And this was kind of the impetus for him to work full-time for Vern Gagne's American Wrestling Association. This was where he got the moniker of The Brain. And was uh, and he was first paired up with the team of Ray the Crippler Stevens and Nick Bockwinkle. Oh. Let's talk about... Uh, I mean, this is the part where I love to talk about the, the association of Bockwinkle and Heenan. Because... If anyone's watched AWA, they know that Nick Bonk Buckwinkle is probably one of the greatest heel champions of all time. And really, he didn't, didn't necessarily need a mouthpiece because his promo style was so unique and different, just full of charisma. And as everybody points out, he was a walking thesaurus in the way he was able to use like such like like long monosyllabic words for his promos that you naturally never think that he would need a manager but there was just something about both of them and their charisma together that just worked absolutely um which it honestly like those of you who are not familiar, you know the name Nick Bonkwinkle. Yes, you could go back and watch his matches. He is a very classic form of professional wrestler. Um, however, at the same time, yes, a fantastic mouthpiece, very charismatic, uh, a great heel champion, a better dresser. Honestly, all the credit that Ric Flair gets should go to Nick Bonkwinkle because Bonkwinkle was by far the more better like all around presentation in my opinion mm. he presented himself with a level of class while at the same time showing that he was better than you 
Uh, Ric Flair was literally just loud and did five moves, didn't really know how to do too much technical shit. It really depended on his opponent. And uh, this is a personal note on this one. Uh, when Heenan was, we'll get to it later, but when Heenan was managing Flair, it really just felt like a cheap knockoff of Bachwinkle. So yeah, it really, it really did. We'll get to that part very soon enough. But we are, we do have a couple of people popping in. Hello, Dan. It's oh. nice to see you, sir. Hello. I'm making a very quick guest appearance live from a kitchen. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Where all the you will always find me at the kitchen in parties. <laughs> where, it's, where, it's, where, it's, where the, it's where the great wrestling insights happen, obviously. You don't, right? What's it I have like five, I have like five to ten minutes, so I thought I'd jump in and say my two cents or whatever. Absolutely, go on. We were just right at the start of Heenan's career, but go on. <laughs> Bobby Heenan's amazing. Yeah, and he's amazing in the same way that makes a lot of the old boxing guys amazing, which is. Realistically, in many ways, you can just say that he's just talking, but like talking in the way that that one guy down at the pub, who's definitely a bit too overconfident in himself, does. And it's incredibly endearing. And I love Heenan very, very much. Darn right. <laughs> Alrighty. Where were we? AWA. Yes. So. This is where kind of the genesis of all of the very famous and iconic Heenan traits came from. It was actually during a, uh, during the tag title reign for Bockwinkle and Stevens, they were feuding with Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher. It was Bruiser that actually coined Heenan uh, the term that he would be forever famous for. I would follow him around pretty much his whole life. Weasel. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what i love this because it was like through the articles and entries i found on this time for him basically it says dick the bruiser famously called heenan during an episode of awa a weasel this led to rivals and audiences around the world calling him a weasel throughout the rest of his wrestling career oh <laughs> 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 uh, this this is where he also would start on the first incarnation of Heenan's family, which initially in the AWA consisted of Bockwinkle, Stevens, Bobby Duncan Sr. and Black Jack Lanza. Now, to show you or to give you a, an example of just how good a heel Heenan was, during a January 1975 taping of AWA at the, in, at the Chicago International Amphitheater, Heenan interfered during one of Nick Bonkwinkle's matches during that time. The fans were so angry that Heenan was once again interfering in a match that a fan jumped the guardrail and fired his gun towards Heenan. Jesus Christ. That's when you know when you're, when you're doing absolute bits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, Heenan somehow came out of it unharmed but it was everyone around the gunman that was injured funnily enough wow interesting truly he was magneto the entire time <laughs> <laughs> he's holding the gun sideways <laughs> bobby heenan as magneto now oh shit guy like me would just parry <laughs> you can't say girls. <laughs> I was gonna say, does this mean yeah. then, Melee? Are, are you trying to take uh, tips from Count Dante and the Dim Mac by any chance? 
Don't worry about no, it. No, um, no. Me- um, Melee's talking about Heenan moment 37. <laughs> <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. uh, Third strike goes to Heenan. Who's this? Is that, Boys. Is, is that Cass? <laughs> oh, hello, Cass. Oh, my God. You can't write this shit, gentlemen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, my goodness. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. It's it's my PC that wasn't doing so well, man. I don't know what the hell... I don't know what happened. Oh, I'm just glad you're here more than anything. Oh, by the way, uh, by the way, before I do it, Cass, Dino, Dino, Cass. Hi, Cass. Hello, sir. <laughs> there you go. That's our show. Uh, that's okay. our show. Uh. <laughs> right, we were right. Oh, we were right in the midst. We, you got right to the beginning part of Heenan's career, so you came in at the, the as good a time as you could with the PC updating. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay oh, and by the way, we've already to Dan and Cass. We've already done our twenty-minute spiel on what happened yesterday. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have nothing okay. to add. That's good. That's good. I've, I've exerted too much raw, <laughs> unedited energy from yesterday. I think we need to go through that again. I was going to say, I heard. I heard. Oh boy. <laughs> yes. Very, very frank. I don't know how many times I can say the same bit over and over, and it still be funny. Yeah. I've done that one joke. For the for the audience of the one Discord server I put it in, uh, I hope they enjoyed it. <laughs> Anyone else, you will not hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Buy the merch. Uh, yes, please. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, shall we get on to where we were? Yes. Uh, Bobby Heenan being shot at. Um, <laughs> it's a perfect time to come in, cats. Mm-hmm. But no, it was later in 1975, after that incident had happened, that uh, Heenan was instrumental in Nick Bockwinkle capturing his first of several AWA World Heavyweight Championships, ending the seven-year reign of the perennial champion and, of course, the man who books the whole thing, Vern Garnier. That's a true worker, right? I was going to say, what, it, I'm guessing <laughs> the Brock Lesnar of his mind, <laughs> the straight shooter of the 1970s, that was Vern Garnier. Um, again, Vern Garnier, really, well, I hear that you're very popular, but are you Vern Garnier? No, then get back in line. <laughs> I was going to say, what was it with this time when it was, I guess, because it was the uncertainty of booking guys for each territory? Where the Booker, who's also a wrestler, or his sons were were wrestlers as well, they had to be the champion no matter what. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about you, Fritz von Erich. Who's going to bring it home, though? Who's going to bring it home for the hometown crowd? Zach Hey, maybe Zach Efron will. We never, we'll never know. All I'm yeah, saying, all I'm saying is this. Has a happy ending. All, I'm, all I'm saying is this. Tony, you have got to get your checkbook out. If you want to, count, to counteract Phil with Zach Efron <laughs> in full Kevin Von Eric gear as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something about Zach Efron. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Von Eric versus Stephen Amell. Yeah. <laughs> oh god oh i hate it oh god melee Me- Me- just texted in the chat the, the iron, iron coleslaw, coleslaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 
No. <laughs> it's not Tony Khan enough. He's got to put uh, his new signee Will Ospreay against uh, Kevin Von Erich, Zach Efron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. Oh. I'm just picturing, picturing the like carniest ass book of booking Zach Efron as as an actual Von Erich. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's a phone, Eric. Oh my god. It's the claw. It's the sacker from claw. It's the claw. It's the claw. All right, this is going a little too crazy. Let's carry on. Let's carry on. Yes. Let's talk about Bobby Bobby Heenan's time in Japan. Uh, because of a, a, like a working relationship with, uh, I think it was All Japan, I believe, the AWA. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's They would regularly tour with the company in the late 70s to early 80s. And Heenan was a staple part of that time for, Japan, uh, for the AWA Japan tours. Uh, it was actually during this uh, one tour in 1983 that Heenan would actually end up suffering a very debilitating injury. It was a match against o- Atsushi Onita, believe it or not. I believe it. <laughs> that Onita delivered a, uh, a, a a leg drop, a routine move, a routine move, but he landed on Heenan's face and it whiplashed him so far that it twisted his neck and he suffered a Ooh. severe neck injury. Jesus. Believe it or not, Heenan would go back, would continue to work with debilitating neck pain and loss of um, feeling in his arm, but he wouldn't get surgery on that neck until 1996. What the hell, man? And you know why? Because he had no health insurance and he got guaranteed health insurance when he worked for WCW. That's the reason why. Yep. Wrestling does not pay, folks. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Again, (laughs) so it was in 1984 where Bobby Heenan and quite a number of wrestlers within the AWA, including kind of headed by Hulk Hogan, would depart the company to join the World Wrestling Federation. Basically, Vince was doing pretty much buying up all the territories and giving these guys huge payouts to come work for him. And basically, Bobby realizing that he wasn't getting as much money as he could. Uh, just decided to just go and join the company, join the fledgling company that was taking it national and international as well, and would join the company in 1984. Now, the original intention for Bobby, this was a fun fact finding out, coming in when he was signed, Vince actually had the intention of having Bobby manage Jesse the Body Ventura. You know, the man who wined and dined with the great dictator yeah. in di- Demo yeah, Dick Marcinko. <laughs> Wait. Governor Jesse Ventura, yes. <laughs> but no, oh, that yeah, actually yeah. didn't happen due to Ventura's retirement, of course, due to the, 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 the blood clots in his lungs um, uh, that happened uh, to him. But instead, he was partnered and managed Big John Studd in his feud at the time with Andre the Giant. Uh, it was actually Bobby who, in storyline, issued the challenge to uh, to body slam anyone, or Andre as well, to body slam Big John Studd for $15,000. And, uh, well, basically the stip was that 
if Andre could do it, he could get 15,000, or if he couldn't, he would lose. And of course, as everybody knows, at WrestleMania, Andre did the impossible and body slammed Big John Studd before the capacity crowd at Madison Square Garden. And I believe he started throwing the bag of money out into the crowd, wasn't it? <laughs> before, yep. like, he yeah. did... Hayden mm-hmm. snatched the bag off of Andre. I mean, I'll give you this much. It takes yeah, a brave real. man to snatch anything off of Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, very difficult when there's nothing. It's like an 85% chance inebriated, but you know. <laughs> you just focus on the bag. I respect it. So it's. My dad, the guy, Hayden. <laughs> <laughs> do you reckon Andre would like SoundCloud rap? Yes, yes, I do reckon. I do think. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, honestly, honestly, that man absolutely listened to Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> yes, he I want to believe <laughs> he would. He would have loved Limp Biscuit. Mm. He would have. He did it all for the nookie. And that's <laughs> so. Heenan's most uh, like kind of most famous and I guess the most enduring rivalry that he had during this time in the WWF was against one man, Hulk Hogan. Ooh. Boo. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh god, Jesus. Fucking boo. Oh. Can't escape him. Can we just say Hulk Hogan instead? <laughs> Provisionist history. That I was going to so say, better. yeah, but are we going to rewrite history to say that actually, no, Bobby Heenan was the was the justified one in this rivalry? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and it was melee. You never know what's going to happen when the Hulkster's running wild after you, melee. <laughs> well, let me tell you something like that. <laughs> It was because of this rivalry that he did reform the Heenan family. And right now, gentlemen, I am going to go over the entire history and members of the Heenan family. Well, here we go. (laughs) The Olympic strongman, Ken Patera. Wise investment. Playboy Buddy Rose. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. The true real American. <laughs> I mean, he was hawking Hulk's uh, flipping merchandise in one of those commercials, but I digress. King Kong Bundy. Yes. Oh, my. Andre the Giant. Oh. Well, I hope you're not. <laughs> the Brain Busters. <laughs> yes. What? Ravishing Rick Rude. Rude. Oh. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, you're right. King Harley Race. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Haku and Tama, the Islanders. Good investment. Good stuff. Hercules. What just Hercules? It was fine. It was fine. (laughs) Just Hercules, huh? Yep. The Barbarian. Death. Conan? Death. Mr. Man was dead. Him and Haku? Hell yeah. yes. Oh my god. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. Woo. Oh, hell yeah. The Red Rooster, Terry Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, and some may say the best run out of the lot of them, Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn Brawler. 
Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the LA Knight of his time. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Does that make the Red Rooster the Finn Balor of his time? Oh god, yeah. Red Rooster loved him some Legos, let me tell you. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, right. So Heenan was the was the was the main man and manager behind two WrestleMania main events where Hogan put his title on the line. WrestleMania 2 saw the cage match between Hogan and King Kong Bundy, and of course, the more famous one from WrestleMania 3, the Hulk Hogan Andre the Giant rivalry now little aside from this of course as everybody kind of who goes back and watches the golden age of wwf knows before this andre was a beloved baby face probably one of the mm -hmm. most one of the most biggest names in that company if you take out hogan which you know what since hogan is, uh, is a bastard yeah andre was the man who, who helped the <laughs> wwf <laughs> <laughs> but it was actually because of this rivalry and then leading to a, a massive main event at one of the biggest WrestleManias at that time at the Pontiac Silverdome, Andre wanted to turn heel and personally requested he be managed by Heenan. So, of course, that brings us to WrestleMania 3 and the main event, which even though I know is steeped in folklore and history, I went back to watch it. It's a slog to watch. Yeah, it's it's like oh. nothing happens until Andre gets slammed. Well, that's most Hulk Hogan matches, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna work for me, dude. <laughs> My God, Andre kicked out. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my goodness. So we've talked Andre about. Just doing the tip up. <laughs> We've talked about some of the people that he managed during his time with the Heenan family, but I think it's about time that we talk a little bit more about his broadcasting time in the WWF, and particularly his partnership with Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, will you stop? <laughs> I have never known of two people as announcers that mesh together so damn well, like Bobby Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. And I just love the fact that the whole, like, their partnership and their charisma played off of Heenan just annoying the hell out of Moss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, yeah. Now, this is part of what I've heard, I know about Bobby the Brain Heenan, which is, I, which is basically, why does Gorilla, the larger of the two, simply not eat Bobby the Brain Heenan <laughs> so he can <laughs> shut him up? <laughs> he like Bobby the Brain Heenan when he's on commentary reminds me of when you're watching like a really good Netflix drama, but your friend or your other half keeps asking you questions, <laughs> <laughs> and you just want them to shut up so you can actually watch the damn thing. I will say that I feel like in terms of the comedy, uh, it is he is such a funny man is Heenan he was he's so damn funny <laughs> and I just think it's again it's the perfect like the straight man the funny guy duos that like are so prevalent in comedy and it just those two again I think those two should be recognized as a terrific comedy duo because if you've ever watched re episodes of of primetime wrestling or listen to the commentary of those two at the time 
damn, they are so good together. And I think the best, Mm -hmm. one of the really good things about Bobby is that he never, he never detracted away from what was going on in the ring. He would always see something and manage to find a funny line or a gag to be able to weave into what's going on in the match. To which again, Monsoon would just shout in, in many different tones and afflictions, will you stop it? (laughs) I'll never catch on. (laughs) <laughs> damn he was bloody good at this i recommend any- <laughs> if anyone actually has a network subscription if anyone has or anyone has clips of primetime wrestling or any compilations of those two i highly recommend going at and watching them they are so damn good so heenan's first managerial services to a champion in this in the company was with Rick Rude, uh, during Rude's rivalry with the Ultimate Warrior. Of course, I just want to say as an aside, because of the partnership between Rude and Heenan, this gave us that amazing moment during SummerSlam that that they broadcasted an outtake where Mean Gene said, Gentlemen, as you know, the Ultimate Warrior, fuck it! (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't know, right, there's legend around this whether it was actually intentionally meant to be broadcast or not. Does anyone know <laughs> if it was meant to be broadcast? Because it was a pre-record as well. That's the funniest <laughs> thing. Wait, wait a minute, what? I swear... <laughs> that in, that you, you didn't interview know that, was Ridden? A, yeah, it was a pre-record. Oh! <laughs> See, I didn't know that. Like, yeah, let's just leave it. Yeah, like, oh, we'll just someone, look it up and on. Yeah, and then stop, we'll someone, someone thought, you know what? That's too funny. We're leaving it. Yeah. <laughs> really? That's publicly stated that goddammit, who put that up? Is that $200 an hour? No, <laughs> 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 so, what I love about that clip is that you can hear Vince as soon as the sign drops, you can hear him go, nice move. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Anyway, what what was I going with? Oh yeah, shortly after this, he would he would manage his second t- uh, champions in the Brainbusters, the team of Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, who had just left uh, NWA um, to be part of the WWF. Underrated team, the Brainbusters. Yes, very much so. And of course, I think you couldn't Busters. find any couldn't find any better tag partners for demolition at that time i think than the brainbusters well maybe the legion like or the road warriors but they were too busy in nwa at this time demolition <laughs> <laughs> i will always put demolition over the road warriors i don't care they're fucking awesome so <laughs> sure this is true no, I, yeah i can second that 100 <laughs> So this didn't mean that Heenan wasn't in the ring every so often because he did end up having a few matches during his time in the WWF. At WrestleMania 4, he teamed with the Islanders to defeat the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. Yes, this was the time where Bobby Heenan had a rivalry with Matilda the Bulldog. What? And it was fucking what? amazing. I'm, not, I'm just going to say it. Heenan having a rivalry with a Bulldog and actually making it work just shows you how good he fucking is as a manager. Then he later grew up to be Davy Boy. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> because I'm bizarre. Um. Uh, so, uh, the following year at WrestleMania 5, he had a 30-second match against the Red Rooster, which uh, which is is a is a thing. 
Uh, I think Heenan's gone on record as to say that Terry Taylor was the drizzling shit. Um, <laughs> he never, he didn't particularly like working with uh, with Terry Taylor, but um, mind you, who did? Now, um, <laughs> uh, of course, this would also see him have that rivalry with the Ultimate Warrior uh, during his time with Rick Rude and after his uh, his alliance with Rick Rude, and this would see Bobby Heenan in a series of weasel matches where he would lose and be forced into wearing a weasel costume. Hmm. <laughs> wow. I have never known a man to sell waking up, realising he's in a weasel costume, and flail and bump. I know it's very specific, but I've never known a man to sell it quite well like Bobby did. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> the way he woke up with the suit on and everything was like... It was like, oh, what a horrible nightmare. Oh, God, it's not a nightmare. You know, he started flailing around like he literally was just swimming. It's, like, it's like, he, like he found a horse's head in his bed. Exactly. <laughs> While at the same time, flailing around like a horse in quicksand. Yes, we're back to never-ending story that we were talking about before we recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Atreyu, please, you got to keep going, Atreyu. <laughs> <laughs> God fucking damn it. <laughs> oh. See, this oh, is the reason no. I bought you one, Dino. Oh, Dino. Honestly. <laughs> what, callbacks to shit that nobody heard? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, <do> life. <laughs> oh. Fuck it. Uh, right. Ah, <laughs> uh, so, also during this time, a little before the, in the early 90s, he would lead Mr. Perfect to his Intercontinental Championship success. Woo. I think, honestly, when you go back to it in the people he's managed, Perfect is under his partnership with Perfect is underrated. Absolutely, but at the same time, like I've been fortunate enough to know people who recognize that reign and that pairing of them because they, like, it almost felt father and son ish the way that they worked so well with each other. All the way to when Perfect would fucking throw his towel back or just there's one where he literally just threw it up into the air. And like Heenan just caught it like blindly without even it's looking. So like I've just posted it right now. There you go. Yeah. yeah, you posted the gif right now. It is so like he caught it behind him. That's how in sync they were with each other. Like it just it was so good. And like I remember the because the first time I ever saw Heenan was with Perfect, and I mm -hmm. thought, oh, this is probably like his kid or something because they work so well with each other. And mm -hmm. like you see the amount of pride that Heenan takes. With and they look, and they look almost exactly the same. Yeah, that's kind of disturbing. <laughs> yeah, Holy like there's shit. three elements to that whole equation. You have Heenan, you have Perfect, and you have that Intercontinental Title. Which honestly, that was Perfect's belt. Yes, like people can talk about the Honky Tonk Man. People can, I mean, understandably, they can talk about Rick Rude as well. He was a great champion, but Mister Perfect embodied the Intercontinental Championship and made it that workhorse title that everybody has come to recognize it as. Darn, darn right. Darn, darn right. Well, sorry to break it to you, Dino, but that gif of the catching the towel, that was pre-recorded. I'm sorry. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it! <laughs> we'll do live. I've been mesmerized by this gif for the first, like, two minutes. Like, right, it right? really is. It's so, like, it's like the perfect loop as well. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Oh, it's like honestly, one of the one of the best pairings of gimmicks. I think there is. I don't think there has been a better pairing of gimmicks 
that Vince has had since, before or since. Honestly, yeah. it'd be hard pressed. Maybe like I guess people could make the argument of Flair and Triple H, but you know, I never realized until now that the the double entendre of the game and the dirtiest player in the game. They were inside each other. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> only now did i realize that no uh, so come, come 1991 heenan would retire from managing to become a full-time commentator he would manage sporadically and it was actually because of this sporadic uh sporadicness that uh, he was brought out of semi uh, out of retirement be more semi-retired to manage a brand new wrestler that was coming into the wwf the nature boy rick flair God damn it, it's the awful people we're talking about, isn't it? Jesus Christ. <laughs> of course, this was all about when Flair had disagreements with Jim Hurd over in WCW and the whole down payment with the big gold belt. So Flair did the, the ultimate move. And the only thing I will give him credit for, he took the WCW title and brought it with him to the WWF. <laughs> and... Which was still nuts to really think about at that time. I was like, yes, wow. That belt is much more cooler looking than the tiny ass winged eagle, which doesn't make any sense because a fucking eagle has wings. Just call it the eagle belt. So <laughs> that's wow. You just huh? That doesn't right? make any sense. Why do <laughs> we call right. it the winged You're... eagle? You just like I had to. I'm sorry. Like I had to actually sit with that for a second. I was like, wait a minute. He's right. Why do we do that? That is so tired. The hooved horse. Like, it's got a fucking hoof. It's a, it's a horse. The hooved horse. The hooved horse belt. The bee's knees. I'm never going to unhear that now. Yeah, the winged eagle. Eagle has wings. The, <laughs> Just say that. The, the, the clawed bear championship. Um, no, I, but, no, there is a bear championship. Yes. No, no. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. A bear can be declawed theoretically, but they can be yeah. declawed. So that actually does make sense. You can't. You can't. If you cut off a wings of an eagle, it dies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like. It's not an eagle anymore. It's just a yeah. dead eagle. It's just a wingless bird for dinner. <laughs> on, so, like on the yeah, same topic, it's like dinner. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going ahead of this because I just <laughs> keep, keep like, going, the, please. Like on the same topic, like why do we call it the gay world anal? Like, where is it? <laughs> Food for thought. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Oh, he had to, didn't he? He had to. I was <laughs> <laughs> just. I was just politely listening, merely <laughs> So, of course, during Flair's run from '91 to '93, he would uh, Heenan would be his uh, his advisor uh, and manager during this time. Of course, the more the, one of the most famous moments between this partnership was the 1992 Royal Rumble, which would see Flair enter at number three and go on to win the WWF Championship. We were there in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> That lispy son of a bitch. <laughs> I remember being so angry as a little kid. This fucking old guy won? Like, yeah, you know, I didn't say that out loud or anything, but like at the same time. Now you screamed it from the mountains. Exactly. Echoed throughout the valley. Exactly, because, you know, little Mexican kid upset that his favorites didn't win. So, you know, we, we tend to get a little, a little vocal, but um, <laughs> I, I remember hearing. The first time I've heard the expression, we're not ones to say we told you so, but we told you so, muttered by Perfect and Flair. Mm. I'm like, okay, that was good. I got to give them that credit. But I think that was mainly Hennig. I don't like Flair. So 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's amazing what a year can do for a career because with Flair mm-hmm. leaving and he'd gone back to WCW and, and Perfect now temporarily retired due to injury, who should mm. Bobby Heenan be paired with? at the next year's Royal Rumble. For weeks on end before the Rumble, he had been teasing the re- uh, the reveal of a brand new wrestler called Narcissus. Narcissus. <laughs> <laughs> Who should it be but none other than fucking Lex Luger? Lex Luger. You truly are in love with yourself. Which, by the way, <laughs> if no one's seen it, please go back and watch it. Because you can funny. tell that Vince McMahon was feeding Heenan lines to just dealt to, to, to give to Luke. <laughs> <sighs> this is what happens. The WBF era is terrible. <laughs> yes, yes. God damn it, you beat me to it, Dina. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait until I bring up the WBF for Dan and Reardon, honestly. I can't wait for that episode. <laughs> but yes this wasn't lasted very uh, this one only lasted a few months i believe because it was then when the narcissist lex luger would turn to all american hero lex luger a body slam uh yokozuna and not win the title at SummerSlam, but receive a hero's victory (laughs) uss intrepid (laughs) i need a hero (laughs) god dang it uh, <laughs> so, during this time, he ended up kind of becoming more full time as a commentator. At this at this time, he would eventually uh, be, um, as I said, part of primetime wrestling during the time. But he would also be part of All American Wrestling, which would air on the USA Network, and would occasionally, I believe, was one of the. Um, the very first commentators for Monday Night Raw. Not in the opening episode, because I know there was a whole skit of him trying to actually get in to the Manhattan yeah. Center. <laughs> but he would he was one of the first commentators for Monday Night Raw. But he was getting a bit tired of the business and wasn't really having as much fun as he used to during the time uh, in the early to mid-80s. And his original plan was let his contract run out retire, spend time with family. Uh, But that was up until Atlanta had actually called him and offered him a very good deal. Uh, It was actually uh, more money, lighter work schedule, and health insurance, which is, as I said, the reason why it took so long for Heenan to get neck surgery. Uh, He also sorted, uh, cited, I should say, the, the driving distance between Atlanta and his daughter's school in Alabama, uh, as a way to be able to spend more time with his family as the deciding factor for him to join World Championship Wrestling. And in January 94, he would make his debut for WCW. Originally brought in to replace Jesse Ventura as the color commentator for Saturday Night, he eventually took over his position as lead commentator, working on Worldwide and Clash of the Champions events for TBS. Eventually, of course, being the main man with Tony Schiavone, for WCW Monday Nitro. Now, I was watching a few of these events from like 95, sprinkled in with 96, 97, and eventually when he would uh, go on to leave in 2000. And um, I think it's safe to say, and I think he's even gone on record as to saying that um, 
even though it wasn't too bad, you know, the, the incentives, all of the things, the money was good. He didn't like being a commentator and just didn't enjoy it in WCW as much as everyone else seemingly around him was enjoying it. Hmm. That's really interesting. Hmm. Especially considering, like, how much time he spent he spent doing commentary. Because mm, he said, like, I mean, I could have been a manager, but the neck injury was just getting to me. And so all I could do was be uh, really a commentator in that, in, in that aspect. But it was just apparently him and Tony Schiavone early on and pretty much for a while didn't get on. Wow. Mm. Shows you what a pro he was. Yeah. Yeah. That he was able to get on. I mean, but mind you, he's commentating alongside Shivani, but he's also commentating here and there with Eric Bischoff and former Chicago Bears defensive lineman, lineman Steve McMichael. Greatest horseman ever. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that shit. Here comes That's Mongo. <laughs> yes, Steve Mongo McMichael. Yes, as you said. Yes, probably the best horseman. <laughs> I tried to say that with a straight face, Dina. Well, now people are just picturing him as a horse, but it's fine because he had that ponytail. So that's for true. That's for true. <laughs> now there was an incident that happened. Everybody knows knows the Brian Pillman incident. Um, it was in January '96 at Clash of the Champions. 32, if you wanted to know, in a match with Eddie Guerrero versus Brian Pillman, which, by the way, on paper, that sounds like an absolutely awesome match. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This was during the time where Pillman was kind of becoming a little bit more unhinged and decided to um, leave the ring, go to the commentary area, and grab Heenan by the scruff of his neck. Um, to which, caught on camera and on his mic, caused Heenan to blurt out, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> now, Heenan has said in a couple of shoot interviews that his reaction wasn't because of Pillman grabbing him by the collar, but because he on he thought that someone, a member of the crowd, had grabbed him from behind, got, jumped over the guardrail and grabbed him. Hence why he kind of got up really quickly and kind of whiplashed his neck by accident and caused him to say, what the fuck are you doing? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn it, Heenan. Oh, sorry, I should say Pillman, I should say. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so he would take a little bit of time off because of it. And of course he re kind of re um, injured his neck because of that. Well, I had a little bit of problems because of that. I don't think he like fully re-injured it, but he did have a bit of um uh he said he had a bit of a problem with his neck after that because of how quick and violent he got like violent, he just like bolted right up. He kind of re uh nagged his neck injury. He would come back, he would make a one-off return in ninety-six at the Great American Bash, uh being a manager for Ric Flair and Arn Anderson in a tag match. Uh I believe mm -hmm. the tag match was the Horseman versus Steve McMichael, and I believe it was another NFL player. Kevin Green. There you go. That was the one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mongo okay. and Carolina Panthers linebacker Kevin Green. <laughs> so WCW. It so is. I mean, this is the same company that booked Will Sasso to face Bret Hart. In a crossover feud, mind you, that got under episodes of Mad TV. 
Yeah, wasn't it like like Bret Hart put Sasa with it? Yeah, you know, no, I'm not gonna go over that. No, no, that 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 that, that yeah, doesn't no. that need to have time. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other entire episode on. So now this brings us to Bob, uh, Bobby's probably most famous or infamous call that he ever made during his time as a commentator. Bash of the Beach, 1996. It's the Outsiders <laughs> versus Sting, Lex Luger, and Randy Savage. Now they now that now the outsiders have been teasing a third person that has been instrumental in them getting into WCW, but no one <gasps> knows who it is. They ended up being in a handicap match for a good majority of this main event when suddenly, out of nowhere, pops Hulk Hogan walking down. To which Bobby but Heenan who says Whose side is he on? <laughs> And of course, Hogan drops the leg on Savage and reveals that he is the leader of the newly formed New World Order. Of despite wrestling. now, despite, the New World Organization <laughs> of Wrestling. No, now I love the fact. I went back and watched this moment. I love the fact that even now he's no longer a, a babyface. Heenan is still talking shit about Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> and saying i was right all along i was right the whole time and you bastards didn't see it incredible stuff mm -hmm. oh gosh and eventually would you believe late into his wcw career and around january 2000 he was unceremoniously replaced in on nitro with mark fucking madden Ugh. Oh boy! Talk Terrible. about talk about the worst switcheroos since Michael Cole was made announcer for Monday Night Raw. <laughs> oh yeah. There, I said it. Fuck you, I said. It. <laughs> uh, so he would. He was eventually moved over to Thunder to work alongside Iron Mike Tanay, and later on to Tony Schiavone until he was. For some bizarre reason, replaced with Stevie Ray of all people. Face <laughs> <laughs> full of stuff. Pardon me. But this is where I will say that Heenan had some of the, I think, some of the more underrated, funnier moments. Because Heenan was supposed to, or one of Heenan's jobs on Thunder, and indeed for, for Turner Broadcasting, was to do interstitials and to do ad reads for the shows that were coming up that were airing after Thunder. And uh, yeah. if anyone's seen them or like clips of them on Twitter, I love the fact that he just did not take them seriously and would do <laughs> any sort of visual gag to just make it as funny as possible. <laughs> I remember, what, I think it was one, one I saw, that he actually had a hammer in his hand for no reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was pro he was he was promoting some like like B movie that was airing after Thunder, but he's just got a hammer in his hand, and there is no he does not explain it. He does not acknowledge that he's got a hammer in his hand, but he is still doing the line read to perfection. I mean, you never know if ET is gonna pop by. You need the hammer there. It's true. But, uh, he was eventually demoted. To being part of worldwide, uh, the worldwide syndicated show, uh, comment uh, commentating alongside Scott Hudson, 
Um, that was also broadcast across not only in America, but across the world. As a matter of fact, I remember WCW Worldwide being a staple for Channel 5 in the late 90s and early 2000s, Reardon. Damn right it was. <laughs> if you could actually program your TV to actually have Channel 5 in a decent quality, because as everyone knows... If you're in the UK, if you watch Channel 5 before everyone had digital, Channel 5 was barely watchable through static. <laughs> they just didn't. Channel One thing has never changed. Channel 5 does not know how to be a TV channel. <laughs> <laughs> it never has, and it probably never will. <laughs> uh, this also, if you ask me again, another thing of just... WCW not knowing what they had with Heenan gave us some great moments between him and Scott Hudson where Bobby Heenan was the PC repairman for the, the for the fan email queries moment section of Worldwide. And so when Scott said his laptop didn't work, who should sweep in but Bobby Heenan, who would just occasionally tap the, 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 the laptop, smack it a few times, and then just kind of get a screwdriver and say, oh, no, no, that bit's there. Oh, but, oh the, the oil needs changing on the laptop. No, there you go. It's working now. <laughs> <laughs> this man is so fucking good. <laughs> So damn good. But he was feeling uninspired and just the lack of direction and of course the tumultuous time that was WCW in the year 2000. He ended up uh, kind of going and leaving his contract pretty shortly after kind of uh, shortly before I should say WCW was bought out by the World Wrestling Federation. This of course is where we see uh, basically his last hurrah and his appearance at the Gimmick Battle Royal at WrestleMania 17. Yes. <laughs> Which we really, we have watched for the WrestleMania 17 um, watch along, uh, the retrospective that we did on the uh, on the podcast uh, a while back. And uh, all I can remember is that we just kind of, for, for like, I think for about 10 solid minutes, we're talking about, holy fuck, the Iron Sheik could barely walk to save his yeah. life. <laughs> of course. And of course, I told you the fun story of how just shortly before he was due to come out, the Iron Sheik had snapped the belt on his tights, and so his tights were being held up with gaffer tape. Wow. <laughs> He's fat. He's fat! Um, <laughs> and so later on into his career, of course, uh, he would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2004 by Blackjack Lanza. He would take part in a skit at WrestleMania 20 involving Gene Oakland and Mae Young. I'm not going to mention <laughs> the other woman that was involved in that because she's turned out to be an awful human being. Yes. He inducted Paul Ondorf, the Black Jacks, and Nick Bockwinkle into the WWE Hall of Fame classes of 2005, 2006, and 2007, respectively. In fact, I think that my favorite moments in those all of those uh, Hall of Fame inductions is in 2005, where he just went on after Iron Sheik had been inducted, and he turned around to him and said, What the hell did he say? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and unfortunately, all during this time, he had unfortunately been diagnosed in 2002 with throat cancer. And uh, I believe it was in, in an interview on Confidentially said, well, you know, I could I could ignore it and, you know, go on with life. Or I could follow the doctor's advice and take everything I absolutely need to live because I want to keep living and want to keep contributing to, to life. Uh, and 
man, he 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 held on for a very very long time, and I'm really glad that he did as well because not only with all of this, he was doing uh he wrote his own book that came out in 2002 2003 time. He ended up making a small appearance, uh, uh an independence with Kurt Hennig. And ended up having a, a, a short stint, and I'm talking a blink and you miss it stint, not only in Ring of Honor, but also in TNA. Oh, I didn't oh. know about that. Yeah, in 2005, um, he ended up making a series of appearances that culminated in a six-man tag team match between the Diamonds in the Rough and the team, I kid you not, of Chris Saban... Sonjay Dutt and the Kiss Demon Dale Torborg. Wait, oh wait, my wait, wait. what? <laughs> wait a bloody minute! That is fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. Actually, Dale Torborg. One of these things is not like the other, and it's Dale Torborg. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he was his last appearance though for TNA would actually be in a little back or like a pre-filmed vignette as he was bidding for the services of Robert Roode and legitimately if they had signed him to a contract I would have loved to have seen Bobby Heenan manage Robert Roode. Mm, would have been great. Same. Would have been great. That mm -hmm. would have been so fucking awesome. <laughs> Damn. Especially and, with like what he went on to become, like exactly, exactly. God. And so, with all of this, as everybody saw and realized, of course, with everything that had that had been plaguing him on his health issues, of course, Bobby was suffering quite a bit. He had lost a significant amount of weight around the time, but also he was he his voice, his vocal cords were beginning to actually wane on on him quite a bit. Um. And of course, as everybody knows, uh, during the late 2000s, he would end up having reconstructive surgery on his jaw uh, a number of times, if, mem if memory serves me correct. I believe the first time he was, uh, uh, they actually had um, had made a mistake uh, when they re when they were doing a rebuild of his jaw, and it needed to be treated because he ended up uh, having an infection because of that, and. Um, Despite all of these things, he was still very, very prolific in the wrestling world, in, in the convention scene, uh, in, during interviews as well. That man never stopped kind of hustling in the wrestling world and being a, a, like a, a, a massive figure during all of this time. Uh, but unfortunately, in 2017, he ended up passing away at the age of 72 in his home in Florida. And with him, I think uh, we lost one of the, if not the greatest wrestling manager who has ever lived. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Man was an absolute legend. And man, I, I don't think there is there was no one before him. And there has been very few, if not anyone, since. Um, no, there's not been anybody. Honestly, I would say I, I would go on. I would go on out on a limb and say if we were going to go to someone who was who was even remotely as close to as charismatic as Bobby today, Stokely Hathaway. But he's. Yeah. A, I would say in terms of like humor and their kind of charisma, two completely different personalities. But in terms mm -hmm. of getting laughs out of me, I think both of them have just had an equal amount of laughs out of me. But man, Bobby Heenan, 
such an important figure, I feel, for the success that WWF had in the 80s. Because he was the foil, because he was the perfect foil for Hogan, basically. And you, and for, for for a really good, like for the best good guy, you need to have an incredibly, incredibly great bad guy to work off of. Mm-hmm. Yep. No arguments. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like like I said earlier in, in the show, like what what else can be said? Uh, that hasn't been said about Bobby Heenan because the man legitimately was the, in my opinion, the embodiment of a professional wrestling manager. And like, I, uh, again, I cannot stress it enough to anybody listening. If you're starting to be, be in the business or the industry and you're looking for people to look after, look for Bobby Heenan's work, pay attention to it, take notes and work on your wit because mouthpieces like that don't exist anymore. Like legitimately, the, oh, nobody, nobody can have that type of humor. Nobody can get that much over unless they literally just do a, a you know something stupid without you know really committing to it. Like it, it seems almost out of character that w- with what they try to do, as opposed to Heenan, who is just this, like I say, force of nature, because he had his timing down. He could be cool. He could be calm. He could be collected, or he could be just completely. <laughs> Just a weasel about it. And like nobody can find that common ground like he did as well as work with anyone that he's paired with. The guy worked with the Red Rooster for God's sakes and made it seem like you you just brought in a talent from Japan to work (laughs) with him. And he still tried to make it work. And, you know, that's that's Rooster's deal. He's just not that interesting. But at the same time, like. You know, it's Bobby Heenan. He's like, all right, you're going to give me this shit gimmick, so I'll just, I'll make gold out of it. You know, I'll try to at least. But if not, I'm, you know, <laughs> going to chop his head off and we'll cook him. So, you know. <laughs> but, like, even to the point where he would hammer hammer in, like, a bit. It was like, one of my favorite Bobby Heenan bits was when High Energy debuted, the team of Coco Beware and Owen Hart. And they were wearing the hammer pants. Yes. And Heenan's entire thing through the whole episode of them them debuting, look at those pants! <laughs> like, just completely putting over the fact that he just thinks the pants are just ridiculous. <laughs> and, like, and, like, even when, uh, like, Tatanka would come out, he would say, Tatanka! Like, the extra tease. There's too many tees in the name to Bobby Heenan. And, like, all those little tiny things are just, you know, fantastic. So... He was just really genuine. Yeah. Well, that's mm. all you really needed. You just need someone who was, who was like a, a really good character to be on that position and who was actually genuine about it. And he, he constantly made that a reality for like his entire career, which is really, really cool. I think as yeah. he's said numerous times, if you're not in it for the fun and for the money, then you're in the wrong industry. <laughs> Makes sense to me. <laughs> And boy, did he uh, did he make it fucking fun. Um, that, I believe, is where we are going to cap off this episode. But before we do all of the spiel of heading off, I just want to say a massive thank you to Dino and to Cass. Guys, it's always a joy to have you on. And uh, I'm so glad that you were able to make it, Cass. So glad you were able to make <laughs> yeah. it, finally. 
My was... day has been a skit. Because <laughs> I, I genuinely thought for a moment, it's like, oh no, he's, he, 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 he assured me. He assured me. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I apologize. I didn't know that was going to happen, but yeah, I... you know. No worries, my man. Fuck technology. Um, before we head off, I was gonna say before we do that though, if I um, we'll start with Dino. If you've got anything that's going on right now or coming up, do say so. The floor is yours. Oh great! I'm gonna take this piece of it. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> no, <laughs> again, the terrible jokes never stop with me. They're gonna get worse as I get older. God damn it! When does this drop, by the way? This drops tomorrow. Or today, oh, sorry, sorry. if anyone's okay. listening. Oh, good lord. listening to it. <laughs> yeah, today. Oh, good lord. Uh, so, <laughs> so, be sure to catch me on the season finale of Whole World Wrestling. That's Andrew Everett's Fire Pro promotion on twitch.tv slash Plays. That is uh, W3. We're having our big season finale tournament two days worth. Uh, we will have our drawing of the names in this gigantic tournament this Wednesday, the 28th, I believe. Or is that Tuesday? It's Tuesday the 28th. Forgive me on that one. Um, also, if you want to hear my uh, voice doing commentary and trying not to shit myself, mm-hmm. uh, be sure to check out on independent wrestling televisions, Dakaiju Pro, a new promotion that has just popped up. Uh, for those of you who miss the fun comic book cartoon styles of professional wrestling without the problematic dipshits, Quackenbush. Um, you can go ahead and check out the Kaiju Pro because they want to bring back the fun elements of wrestling with actual fun being had by everybody. So you can catch me on that. And if not, occasionally when the demographic is okay on New Legacy Inc. I love my brothers and I know that I'm very much a wild card, but damn it, do I miss them so much and I love them so much as well. Oh, so. may I also add as well that this man is also voicing a video game. Uh, let's talk about uh, Ultra Pro Wrestling. You, sir. I am so looking forward to that game. And I was so marking out. I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, little situation there. Like they, uh, uh, first and foremost, they really want to get a really fantastic and damn good game out to the fans. They give a shit. They want everyone to have those fun elements of creation as well as playing as the in-game characters. But everybody at Ultra Pro, uh, all the way down to Hal, Hal Haney, who's just this fantastic artist who got my foot in the door for mentioning it, and me bombarding him with voices <laughs> to all the characters that he drew. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to bug you with what I think these characters would sound like, if that's okay. And he's like, yeah, man, go for it. And so, you know, really, you know, everyone involved with it, Sam and whatnot, they they were just like, hey, we're going to do this this teaser, and it's going to drop. Can you do this for us? And I'm like, yeah, I'll have it for you in no time. So they have told me, and I, one thing to, to recognize, folks, nothing is cemented. However, I, I believe them when they say it. But when the voice patches are a thing, a possibility, I will be helping out with that. Or I would, you know, love to further help out with that. But as far as a lot of people are concerned, Blue Collar Bill Dollar is a voice that I definitely do. Um, <laughs> i i freaking love this whole idea and concept uh it's uh very much reminiscent of a failed I, uh, attempt that i had a long time ago called saturday nights um but they are actually getting it into fruition and they've been well funded for it and they are busting their entire ass on it not a single half of it just the full buttocks and um <laughs> you know support upw because we need a good fucking wrestling game that cares about the creation stations 
and the modders and everything else. So let's let's mm-hmm. let's get that shit done. I'm looking at you, Ukes. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Ukes. <laughs> oh man, Cash, do you have anything going on that you'd like to promote? <laughs> I mean, I mean. Not as stacked as Dino's, obviously. Believe this is the most stacked it's ever been, so please do not feel any type of intimidated, please. That's a workhorse right there. Um, Stack of dimes. (laughs) I'll go to talk about that stack of dimes. Oh, oh, oh. Um, Only thing I'd really uh, mention is that I've been streaming a lot more over on Twitch Mm. than at Cass. Uh, I've just recently joined a content group. They're known as the Goon Squad Content Team. Let's so you can find me streaming with uh, legends on Twitch, I think, such as Tyler Al Guapo and Dreadlocked, which the wrestling world would know as the Demolition Machine, Bojack. <laughs> so uh, we're cooking. I mean, we're playing games several times a week. Uh, it's always something new. Check us out there. Uh, that's that's probably where I'd cap it mm-hmm. off, I, you know. Which reminds me on the flip side. Which reminds me, I do have to play Fall Guys with you and David sometime soon, don't I? Yes, you. Yes, Falling Guys. <laughs> yes, you do. I have to play that too. Oh, by the way, as we're here as well, Melee, the last mm-hmm. two episodes of You Damn Right, the most cursed shit I have ever heard, but it's also the most <laughs> hilarious shit I have ever heard. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it only gets worse. Yeah, I have. I can only imagine so, given the fact of the running gag the entire time. Anyway, don't worry uh, about it. I was gonna say we'll figure that one out in 2027. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, next episode, I am looking forward to this one. We're gonna be joined by our good friend Connor Cooper, aka Tig, as we talk about the history of Tough Enough, and we're gonna be doing something very, <laughs> very special, everybody. Oh, for, enough? For, oh, for a Patreon exclusive during the week, we are gonna be dropping a watch along. Of Tough Enough Season 1, <gasps> Episode 3. Oh, no. Of course, the no. infamous yes, Triple sir. H episode. No. Oh, here we go. No. Nice snap. Say <laughs> it can't be. It really, really is. Uh, but no. that, is, that, is all, that is all to look forward to next week and on the next episode. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Reardon. Dan for a fleeting moment. Cass. Cast for a good majority, yeah. melee helper, <laughs> and and of course that wonderful human being, Mr. Dino Winwood. We will see you all huh? on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Nation. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>